welcome to everybody this morning. I know I said it a few moments ago, but if you're a guest today, we are so thankful to have you in service with us this morning. We welcome you. Pray that you're touched by the presence of the Lord today. Those that are watching online, wherever you may be watching from, we welcome you this morning as well. Praise God. Apologize for the aroma in this place this morning. Whenever we get a lot of rain, it doesn't bode well for our septic system here. So, praise God. Second Timothy. Hold that thought. I have a baptismal certificate to give to Lincoln Melikoff. Praise God. Amen. 2 Timothy chapter 3. I want to begin reading with verse number 1. I, um, I, I uh, as many of you know, I preached um, at Goshen Parish on Joyce Lane last Sunday morning. And, and uh, there, was, there was some of what I preached that was, I've, I've mentioned this a couple times here and there even recently, and I just have felt directed to it this morning and um, I, I have I've said this a couple of months ago I think it's been now but I I have I have all over again in the course of the last probably five to six months I have just fallen in love with this book all over again and I realize you know I my uh, my livelihood is based on ministry that's my employment and you know the bible is a big part of that <laughs> but just because the bible is a big part of that doesn't mean you you love it but i have just again i i've fallen in love all over again with the word of god because it is it is just really amazing really amazing every answer to life's issues every answer to life's issues are found in this book every answer to life's issues are found in this book you don't need anything else I, I, I read other books I, I, I enjoy reading and I, but, but at the end of the day any answer that I need for my life's struggles, problems, directions, I, this book has the answer. One of the things that, that I, am, I, am, I am working to, hear me please, because I don't want you to think I've got this all down, but I am working to be reassured by the fact that thousands of years ago, Thousands of years ago, everything we're dealing with today was told in advance. That doesn't mean it makes it any easier or any more enjoyable, but it is reassuring to know 
that there's nothing going on that has caught God by surprise. There's nothing happening in our world that God is wringing His hands up in heaven over going, how in the world did this happen? And that ought to give you and I a sense of encouragement that God knows and ultimately God is in control. So 2 Timothy chapter 3 I, I uh, you know, in the end times and Bible prophecy is a is a major subject. There's books, there's videos, there's there's organizations that are built on that as the focus. And Revelation, Daniel, Ezekiel, there there's some places in Scripture that uh, Revelation being one of probably the most notable one. There's all kinds of stuff in the book of Revelation about the end times. But so much of it is is symbols and typology and, and, and it's figures. Not to saying that it doesn't mean there aren't things that are literally going to happen. But, but, but the problem is, you know, the, the scripture says right now we see through a glass darkly. We, we don't see clearly. So whatever we're looking at in the context of all of that, we, we really don't see it clearly. That's why... You can have people <laughs> that believe in the Bible and go toe-to-toe on some of those things. Completely different opinions. And so for me, I, I, I've never, I know the Bible talks about it. I believe in it. I believe that all of that's going to happen, the end times. I believe all of that. But I've just, I've just, I've never made it a big focus because I've, I've, I've heard some predictions that people were absolutely certain about Bible prophecy and they just... It didn't happen. The Antichrist or this or that. And so I've decided, you know what? When God decides to do what he's going to do, it's going to happen. In the meantime, I just want to be in step with him. But I, 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 this passage that I'm about to read is, to me, it's the most just simple to understand passage about the end times. And so Paul says this to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3. In verse number one, this know also that in the last days, perilous times are going to come. The last days, last there means basically the the very end of. And so he now is going to give Timothy a, a description of what these last days and these perilous times are going to be like. He says, men will be lovers of their own selves covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, and that word incontinent means without self-control, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, High-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away. I got a question. Is there anybody that pretty much everything we just read, you can't think just about like that of an example? Yep, I heard Brother Barr over there. Check, check, check. You, you don't need the Greek. You don't need the Hebrew. You don't need a... You don't need a, a scholar. You just, yep, we got that. Yep, that's. 
For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women, laden with sins, led away with divers' lusts. And then this last verse, ever learning. Ever learning. And never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. If there has ever been a time in history where we are ever learning and We've got books and books and internet and websites and all of this stuff where we can get more and more and more information. But what Paul said to Timothy was just because you get more information does not mean you've gotten to the truth. I want to preach to you for a few minutes this morning on this subject. How did we get here? Is there anybody today besides me that looks around at what's going on in this world and especially in this country and think, how did we get here? There's a really simple answer that I want to share with you this morning. God, I thank you for your wonderful presence that is in this place today. I thank you for the privilege you've given us to gather together and Worship you, lift up the name that's above every name. Lord, we don't do that as a habit or a ritual. We, we do that because one of the greatest privileges that we have in all of the world is the privilege of worshiping and lifting up your name. Thank you for your presence that we have felt respond to our worship today. God, I pray now that you would speak to us, that you would minister in this place through your word. I pray that you would give us ears to hear this morning. Lord, I know that what you've given me, what I feel you've given me this morning does not go in line with what the, the mainstream ideology of our world and this nation is. But I pray, God, that your word would break past every barrier, would break past every deception that would war against our minds, that you would give us eyes to see clearly hearts that are open to receive what your word would say. I trust you this morning and depend on you today, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Paul gives warning under the inspiration of the Spirit of God to tell Timothy. He's telling Timothy, but the bottom line is Timothy's not going to live it. Paul's just writing it under the inspiration of the Spirit of God for those of us that would live it. In the last days, there were going to be perilous times. Lovers of men would be lovers of their own selves. That one right there is such a prevalent issue throughout our world. Why do we have families with absentee parents? Because the kids are born to parents that love themselves more than they love others. You got to shout a few minutes ago, so there may not be a whole lot of shouting left, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach anyway. <laughs> Covetous, never enough, always wanting more. Boasters. We don't, we don't, we don't, we, most people wouldn't consider themselves boasters. They just post pictures of themselves doing all kinds of stuff on the, I don't know how mankind survived. I don't know how mankind got at for affirmation and was able to create a healthy sense of worth and value without 
social media. I, I, read, I read a statement a couple of days ago on Facebook, and, and, and I, I agree wholeheartedly with this. The, the, the question, they said, Do you think Jesus would have posted on his social media so privileged to have been able to minister to 5,000 people and feed them yesterday? Now we, we, we post picture oh my goodness this is this, this is this is I think the, the, this, this point right here I'm about to be kind of a mixture of kind of like my coffee coffee cream and it's, it's so this is going to be a little bit of Jesus and it might be a little bit of me bleed through but what in the world I have a major struggle and issue with a with a man or woman of God known to be a man or woman of God and you scroll through their social media and it's pretty much all stuff of themselves. Jesus made himself of no reputation. Proud. I'm not proud. Do you you understand that, that uh, in, in essence, really, a, a fear of rejection is a sense of pride. We put pride in the category of the person that thinks all kinds of wonderful, positive things about themselves. But it's just as much pride to worry about what everyone thinks. I haven't preached a whole lot in the last several weeks here. You may end up wishing that I didn't. I don't know. <laughs> Blast. Blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, no self-control, fierce, despisers of those that are good traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. And then, boy, this last one, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. Let me, let me tell you what I think one of the basic examples of that last statement is. They go to church faithfully every Sunday morning. Wouldn't miss it for the world, but the rest of the time, it's my life. I'm going to live it the way I want it. live it. I'm going to act the way I want to act. I'm going to do the things I want to do. I'm going to wear what I want to wear. I'm going to do whatever I want to do, but I've got a form The power that it's denying there is when you get the Spirit of God on the inside truly living inside of you, it is an ongoing transformation of every part of you. It's not just about your Sunday mornings from 10 to 12. Paul said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you would present your bodies a living sacrifice. So so Paul gives some very simple, straightforward things that these are going to be the things that are going on in the last days. I don't know what other, I don't know what other evidence you need to think we're in the last days than that list alone because again, every single thing on that list. 
I would venture to say 50, 60 years ago, there would be a few things on that list you could automatically think of. But there would be some other things that you'd, you'd have to really think about for examples, but not anymore. Everything on that list is all around us. We see it every day. We read about it every day. We, we hear more and more things that fit these categories. So, so, so how did we get to where we are? I've referenced this several times, and, I, and even in the last several weeks or so, I know I've referenced it a couple of times, but I've just felt drawn to come to it this morning and not just mention it in passing. But really, Romans chapter 1 gives us the simplest and clearest explanation for how are we where we are today. How are the things that are happening in our world happening? And again, we, we, we've, we've been used to, especially those of us that are midlife and older, we've been used to things happening in other places in the world, but not here. I remember prior to the last presidential election, we had had the week of prayer called to war here, and, and that Saturday night for the men's prayer that takes place on Saturday nights, I, I felt led for us to go down to D.C. and pray, and we went down there, a group of men went down there, and we walked around, we walked around the Capitol building, we walked down towards the White House, and I've had the privilege and the opportunity to travel overseas several times in my lifetime, and, and, I, and I've been to places is where you go in cities where you see fencing and barricades surrounding certain places, surrounding governmental buildings, but, but, but not here. And as we walked towards the direction of the White House, there was, there was about a one block perimeter of a barricade, fencing and walls that were set up. That, that's not what you usually see here. Not in America. And I know we, we got some history buffs here today, and, and I, I, I'm not. I, 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 I am, I've never had all that much interest in history. I'm sorry. I don't mean to disappoint you, and I, but I just, I, I don't. I know enough to, to know enough. And I realize there's a lot of different takes and perspectives. And, 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 you know, some think it's all just a bunch of lies and whatever, but I'm, I'm just going to choose to believe at face value this country was founded. Maybe not one that we all would agree on the specifics of, but it was founded on a trust and a belief in God. That we may not, again, we may not, they may not have all seen eye to eye and dotted all the same I's and crossed all the same T's, but, but I don't think it's a coincidence that our money has said in God we trust. Not in a God, but in God we trust. So how did we get here where we now endorse and promote and celebrate the things that we do, Romans 1, verse beginning with verse number 15. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. 
For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. I, I got a question. Am I amongst a group of people this morning that can say that you are not ashamed of the gospel of Christ? I don't care what the world says. I don't care what the media says. I don't care what social media says. I don't care what the educational institutions of our nation or our world say. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it is the power of God to salvation. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifested in them, is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. I've, you know, I've heard it that people, I don't know that I've ever had anybody say it directly to me, but I've, I've heard it that people have used the excuse of the question when we preach about the Bible and salvation. Well, what about the person that lives on some remote island somewhere that's never heard anything? thing about Jesus. The Bible actually says in a couple of different places that the light has shined to every man. I, I somehow, some way. And Paul says it, there, there's no excuse. The psalmist said it this way, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows His handiwork. Day unto day utter His speech and night unto night it shows knowledge. There's no place in all of the world where you can't look up at nighttime and see those scars, scars, stars, position in the heavens and not think, you know what, they didn't get there by accident. They didn't get there by some big bang there had to be a creator there had to be a designer hear me today no person in all of human history was ever born an atheist no person was ever born an atheist you become an atheist It's inside of us from birth to believe there's a God. We, we may not understand it yet. We, we may not know all of it, but there's something inside of us that says there's a God. So how do people become reach the point where they say there's no God and mock and make fun of us? Really the bottom line, usually the bottom line of what happened was somewhere along the way they didn't understand what I said a little while ago. That God is good. 
And because some bad things happened to them or to others they knew and loved, because they didn't understand some things about the Word of God, their response becomes, there can't be a God. Because if there was a God, He would not have done or He would not have allowed this. And so they become bitter and resentful. I can testify to you today that sitting in this place right now, there are people that have been through all kinds of hell in their lives. There's people people in this place that have lost children. There's people in this place that have been abused and mistreated. There's people in this place that have had dreams dashed and disappointments, but somehow they've moved beyond that to understand that God is good. And like Job said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes. But blessed be the name of the Lord. Anybody can trust a God that's giving them what they want. But what do you do when the God you trust allows or decides to take some things? Can you then say the Lord gives and the Lord takes? Blessed be the name of the Lord. Because we know that all things work together for good. To them that love God, to them who are called. According to his purpose. The invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made. Even his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse. Here it is. Here it is. This, this next verse is the summary explanation. Of how we are where we are. Because when they knew God. They glorified him not as God. Neither were thankful. But became vain in their imaginations. And their foolish heart was darkened. They knew God. But they didn't want to keep God. They knew God. But they didn't want God controlling their mind and controlling their lives and governing them and what they do and how they live. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. What in the world? Do you you not? I I know most of the kids are out of here. I apologize. I'll still try to be a little discreet because I've noticed a couple of kids in here. But but did, did anybody hear just a couple of weeks ago? I believe it was at the United Nations where there was a hearing on the idea of pedophilia not being illegal. How in the world? What do you mean, how? Because when you open the door, you don't decide where it stops. And I preached to some people this morning that you just, you know what, I, I, I don't know about this, but I, I, I'm going to let this slide. You don't decide. Oh, Lord, let it not ever be that this kind of preaching is uncomfortable in an apostolic church. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools 
and change the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. And, and, and so because of that, because of verse 21, they knew God, but they didn't want to keep God at the center of their lives. This is the result. God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. God said, you know, what you don't want me giving you conviction and you don't want me bothering you anymore I'm going to give you what you have and you can do it without any feelings of guilt and common condemnation one of the greatest tragedies in the life of an individual is when they can do something contrary to the word of God and feel no regret no remorse no guilt just because I've gotten free from the bondage I was raised under. In the words of my father, hogwash. It's a bunch of baloney. It's because God said, you want to do your life your way and you don't want to do it my way? Then fine, I'm going to let you have it. It's not going to end up the way you think it's going to end up, but I'm just going to let you have it your way. Who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator who is blessed forever. Amen. There's another place where Paul talks about our conscience being seared. For all of you that may think, well, that's just a bunch of spiritual gobbledygook. Science has proven that when you persist in a behavior that is wrong, Your brain will literally rewire itself to stop feeling the guilt and the condemnation. I don't know about that conscience stuff. Science does. I, I... I consider myself to be a relatively tough guy. I, According to my wife, I don't fit the normal male stereotype when you get sick. The world comes to an end. I, I, don't, I don't do that. and I, So I, I don't think I'm a sissy or a wimp. But I, I, I've, I've tried to learn. I still forget sometimes. I've tried to learn that when I'm in the kitchen and my wife has the water running... She's got her hands all in it and doing stuff, washing this, cleaning that. I don't need to put my hands in that sink because she's at a whole different level than I am. There's numerous times I've reached my hand and ow. She's like, what is wrong with you? Like, that's hot. Why? Because she has dulled some of her senses in her hands, not her brain. Oh, boy. Quickly make sure you understood what I... In her hands, her nerves, and her fingers. 
it's, it's really, it's, I mean, most of you live the principle on a pretty regular basis. Most of us, by the time we get out of the shower, the water is significantly hotter than when we started. You reach over, you turn that heat up, ah, for about two seconds, and then you adjust. That, that, that's, that's what the searing of the conscience is. Ah, you know, it's not really a big deal. The first time you do it, man, you're overwhelmed. You come to church the next time. You go to the altar. You're sobbing and crying. Oh, God, I'm so sorry. I'll never do that again. And you go do it again, and you pray again. But then you keep doing it to the point you... That's, that's what Paul's talking about here. For this cause... Watch this, God, because they didn't want God in their knowledge, God just gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. I'm pretty sure no adults in here need any kind of explanation or help there. But let me read the Living Bible just to help you out a little bit. Verse 24. So God let them go ahead into every sort of sex sin. And do whatever they wanted to. Yes, vile and sinful things with each other's bodies. Instead of believing what they knew was the truth about God, they deliberately chose to believe lies. So they prayed to the things God made, but wouldn't obey the blessed God who made these things. That is why God let go of them and let them do all these evil things so that even their women turned against God's natural plan for them and indulged in sex sin with each other. And the men, instead of having normal sex relationships with women, burned with lust for each other. Men doing shameful things with other men and as a result getting paid within their own souls with the penalty they so richly deserved. Verse 28 in the King James, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, He gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetous, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God that they which come which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Another translation says they celebrate and give awards away. Got all these days set aside to celebrate things that Paul just talked about. Who would have ever thought we would reach the point where basic morals and values and things that society typically live by, if you now want to stand on those and live by those, you're the outcast. Somebody needs to hear me today because if we're not careful... Our senses, no, we may not do any of these things. We may not live that lifestyle. 
but, but we can find ourselves becoming more and more, well, you know, it's not really. You know, one of the big ways we've gotten to where we are, because for decades now, for decades now, television and movies have gradually exposed us to things. It only take you a little quick Google search to find out some of the original times in television when there was only for just a very brief moment that a, a, a gay couple was shown. We reached the point it's, it's no big deal. Why? Because even as Bible-believing people, if we're not careful, we can have our senses dulled. I'm going to say it shouldn't have to be said, but I'm just going to remind you, God loves the sinner. And we ought to love the sinner, no matter what the sin is. But loving the sinner is not synonymous with approving of the sin. I got four young adult kids now. Two of them are married that I think they are absolutely awesome, wonderful people. That doesn't mean I've approved of everything they've done. I have to the best of my ability by the help of the Lord loved them unconditionally. But there were plenty of times I didn't agree with what they were doing. I didn't agree with their behaviors. I remind you, oh Lord. Spirit of our age doesn't want us to hold to biblical values and truths. I was about to remind you of something, and I can't remember what I was going to remind you of. We don't just do things, we celebrate those. Here we are now in a world that celebrates, condones. Oh, I know what I was going to say. <laughs> kind of amazing, the people that cry the most about Bible-believing Christians being intolerant. Are actually the most intolerant people. Because they don't want you forcing your beliefs on everybody else, but it's okay for them to force theirs on you. I pray that until Jesus comes, whoever walks in this doors of this church and whatever they've ever done, that they are welcome and loved. But that doesn't mean we water down the truth of the Word of God. You want to know another reason why we're dealing with what we're dealing in, with in this world? Because we've misdiagnosed it. We call it a disease. We call it an alternative lifestyle. And when you misdiagnose something, you can't properly fix it. 
Anybody ever had to go to the doctor several times because they kept misdiagnosing? Unfortunately, they don't, that they give you a medicine to try to treat what they think the problem is. And then if you find out that's not the problem, well, we gotta revisit it. Can I tell you, when you don't diagnose sin as sin, you can't fix the problem. Because the only thing that can fix a sin problem was preached about last Sunday morning. It's the blood of Jesus. It's repentance and getting forgiveness of sins and having all of that washed away. Paul says they didn't want God, so God says you don't want me. You don't want me in your schools. Problem is when you decide an area you don't want God in, you don't decide the rest of the areas, you don't end up pushing Him out. Part of the reason we've gotten to this place is because Christianity has become the condiment on our life. It's the additive that enhances it a little bit. Oh, I'm in it, so I'm just going to go ahead and preach it. Some of you, are, you, you are you're, you're very committed. You'll show up every Sunday morning faithfully. You'll put a little bit of seasoning on your life. I like ketchup. I like mayonnaise and mustard. I like barbecue sauce. I like butter. On my bread. I like I like my I like my butter dripping off of my bread. We stopped for lunch yesterday on the way back and 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 this place had fresh rolls, except I think we got the batch right before the fresh came out. And I man, I I like that butter slapped on there solid and just watch it. As it melts and oozes in. I, I'm not sitting around eating spoonfuls of butter. God's not intended to be the seasoning on your life. God's intended to be the steak. And if you just want to sprinkle God in a little bit here and there, you are so missing what is available to you. Uh, let me let me let me get back on track here. Well, hopefully I'm still on the Lord's track. It's all that matters. I'm gonna read a bunch of verses to you here because what better thing to read than the Bible, right? Listen to Isaiah five and twenty. Is this not is this not such a great description of where we are? Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Woe unto them that are mighty to drink wine and men of strength to mingle strong drink which justify the wicked for reward and take away the righteousness from him. They call evil good and good evil. I 
it may have happened before, but I think I, I think I might be able to claim our, my generation is the one, at least that I understand, that we, we kind of started living that. Somehow, somewhere along the way in my teenage years, I, I never really heard it before. Y'all probably did it when you were younger, you that are older than me, but let us think we came up with something, you know. I, I remember, man, in my teen years, the thing was, hey, did you, you see that car? Man, that's a bad car. That's a bad car. What we were saying was, man, that's a really cool car. That's a really sweet car. But that's a bad car. We never thought anything of it. And I know, that, oh, brother, are you kidding me, brother? Right? I, yeah, I, yeah. Back then, it was pretty innocent. Except now, we're at a place where we're calling what really is bad. Good. Back then we would we would call good stuff bad. We thought we were cool. But now we call bad stuff good and, and, and it's really meant that we're looking at things that really according to the word of God are bad, but we're yeah, well, you know, it really isn't I, I've also once again come to a, a I think an even better or maybe just a fresh understanding of what of what the scripture says when it says there's nothing new under the sun still reading through the book of kings as a part of my morning prayer time and 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 you watch the children of Israel live in this cycle God's people lived in this cycle of obeying God disobeying God kings king after king that disobeyed God. We're not dealing with anything new. At the heart of what we're seeing in our world, it's, it's not really anything new. I think it's intensified because we're in the last days where perilous times are. But we're not dealing with anything that's all that new. Malachi chapter 2 verse 17 says, You've wearied the Lord with your words, yet you say, Wherein have we wearied Him? When you say, Everyone that doeth evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he that delighteth in them, or where is the God of judgment? Really kind of similar to what Isaiah is saying. You've wearied the Lord because you're, you're, you're condoning everything and is there really anything wrong? Is there really anything unrighteous? Is there really... And, and you know where it all starts? I, I, I've referenced Hollywood, but it didn't... All, our problem we're dealing with today didn't start in Hollywood. Anybody know where our problem in this country started? Anybody know? Some of you probably know, but you're afraid to say it because you don't want to offend me. I'll tell you where. Right here. In the pulpit. I mean that broadly. Symbi- in the pulpit. Because in the book of Ezekiel, I believe it is, the Lord says that, that my priests, not, not the world, my priests have put no difference between the clean and the unclean, the holy and the profane. Not the world's problem. It's the fact that we're too worried about offending somebody or upsetting somebody and, and, and worrying about the fact that what if I get up here today and I preach the truth of this book? Some of you may choose to not come back. And so therefore, let me see how much I can water it down and, and make it appealing. 
I don't want to ever do anything intentionally or in my flesh to offend anybody. But I, neither do I ever want to avoid telling the truth of the Word of God because somebody may not like it. It may not fit your agenda. It may not fit what you prefer. Life is not about your preferences or my preferences. It's about the Word of God and what it says that has forever been established. I, I just read it this week in my reading. <laughs> Elijah stands on top of Mount Carmel and stands down. The prophets of Baal calls fire down from heaven. They've been in a three-year drought. Fire falls from heaven. They're, he tells the king, you better get ready. It's about to rain and, and all of this stuff. And, and, then, and then all the prophets of Baal that had died... Jezebel, the queen, hears about it, and so she starts threatening that she's going to kill Elijah. And so he goes from facing hundreds of prophets of Baal all by himself, calling fire down from heaven. He goes now to running for his life. And he he hides in a cave, and, and God calls him to come here. Get out and get out in front of this cave. God starts talking to him, and then and then Elijah says, this. "I'm pretty sure he said it in a very weepy, whiny voice." I'm gonna paraphrase the King James, but in essence, what God's what, what what's going on, Elijah? What's the deal? Well, God, I took a stand for you, and it's gotten me in trouble. And then he says this, what an, what an egotistical statement. <laughs> I am the only one left who has not bowed my knee to bear. I'm the only, everybody else has forsaken you, God, but me. And I'm pretty sure God chuckled when he answered he said, uh, Elijah, sorry, I got 7,000 who have still not bowed. You better be careful because the enemy's going to get on your shoulder trying to tell you, you're the only one left. You're the only one that believes. You're the only one that believes this. And you're the only one that holds to that. And God's looking down saying, no, no, you may not know it, but I got a whole bunch of others that have made up their mind. They're not going to bow. That it doesn't matter what the agendas are. It doesn't matter what anybody says or what anybody does. They've made up their minds on Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Proverbs 1 verse 20. Wisdom crieth 
without. She uttereth her voice in the streets. She crieth in the chief place of concourse, in the openings of the gates. In the city she uttereth her words, saying, How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? And the scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you, because I have called and you refused. I have stretched out my hand and no man regarded but you have set at naught all my counsel and would none of my reproof I also will laugh at your calamity I will mock when your fear cometh when your fear cometh as desolation and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind when distress and anguish cometh upon you then shall you call upon me watch this watch this that loving god that everybody wants to talk about he's just a loving god just a nice gentle loving god he says you know what you're finally going to call on me but i'm not going to answer you're going to seek me early but you're not going to find me Why? Because you hated knowledge and you did not choose the fear of the Lord. You didn't choose the fear of the Lord. They would none of my counsel. They despised all my reproof. Therefore shall they eat of the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. For the turning away of the simple shall slay them and the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. But, but, whoso hearkeneth unto me shall dwell safely and shall be quiet from fear of evil. In one place, the Lord says, you're going to find me when you seek me with all of your heart. But here, He says, if you're not careful, there's going to be a point at which you're going to finally decide, oh God, I need you, I want you. And He says, you know what? You're not going to be found of me. But those that chose the fear of the Lord, he says they're going to dwell safely. Last passage, Malachi chapter 3, verse number 14. Watch this. Oh, Lord, what, what sad, tragic verses. You have said... It is vain to serve God. And what profit is it that we have kept His ordinance and that we have walked mournfully before the Lord of hosts? I tried it. I tried living that way. What what good did it get me? I tried believing. I tried living. I tried trusting. What, what, What did it get me? It's vain to serve God. It's really what the psalmist said in Psalm 73. I've said it before and I'm going to keep saying it from time to time. Every child of God ought to be familiar with Psalm 73. Because Psalm 73 is something you're going to go through every now and then. The psalmist said, I got to looking at the prosperity of the wicked. I got to looking at the world around me, those that had no use, no faith, no trust in God, and and basically their lives looked like they were better than mine. I've been born and raised in this. I'm pretty sure my mom had me in church within the first week of my life. Knowing her, she was in church the first week of of my life, and she was back on the organ. 
I've been in thousands of services in my lifetime simply as an attendee or for ministry. I'm not perfect, but I've done my best to live my life for God. I don't deserve a tree falling on my house. My neighbors that I watch them come and go Sunday, never going to church, never seeming to put God in any... That tree should have fell on their house, not my house. Got a 20-year-old son that in the last couple of years has been in two car accidents. The second one was out on Route 50 right in front of the Jaguar dealership and walked away without any scratches. Was He didn't deserve an accident. Sure, you didn't deserve to get hit by a car the other day. Bless God, you're a you're an apostolic. That's what David was basically, or I don't know if David wrote that one actually. That's what the psalmist was saying. David didn't write every psalm, if you didn't know that. That's what the psalmist was saying. I got to look at all of that and I thought, you know what, what's the use? I wouldn't be surprised if there's somebody sitting on these seats right now that you're battling in that with your mind. Why, why am I going to keep coming to church? Why am I going to keep praying? Why am I going to keep reading my Bible? I got this problem and I got that problem and I'm looking at people around me that don't regard God and they've got less pain and headache and hassle in their life than I do in mine. What's the use? And the psalmist said it like this way. He said, I almost slipped. I almost gave up until... Until I experienced what I experienced this morning. And I felt the presence of God begin to wash over me. He says, then I understood. It's not about where we are right now. It's about the outcome. You've said it's vain to serve God. And what profit is it that you have kept His ordinance and that we have walked mournfully before the Lord of hosts? And now we call the proud happy. Yea, they that work wickedness are set up. Yea, they that tempt God are even delivered. If that's not the world we're in today, I don't know when it's ever going to be that world. What's the use? What's the purpose? Why God? Why go to church? I live according to the Word of God. It's all worthless. But oh, my friend, hear these final verses. Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another. And the Lord listened. He he hearkened. He heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. And they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts, in that day when I make up my jewels and I will spare them as a man spareth his own son that serveth him. Then shall you return and discern between the righteous and the wicked, between him that serveth God and him that serveth him not. Be not weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall reap if you faint not. Then they that feared the Lord, they that reverenced the Lord, they that honored the Lord, spoke often of Him. And a book of remembrance was written 
for them. The Lord said in another place, can a, can a mother forget her child? He said, I've engraven you on the palms of my hand. I can't, I won't forget you. I can't forget you. And the craziness of this world and the chaos and the confusion and the turmoil and the ungodliness that is abounding more and more. There are people. Brother Isaac, you know, God is good. Oh, yeah. Brother Tony, God, God is good. Sister, Sister Chrissy, our kids might get in car accidents and they may end up needing surgeries, but God is good. Life may not be what we would dream or hope it would be. We may not be able to do all the things we would like to do, but you know what? God, God's good. God's, you know what, and you know what I... I, I, I don't know if it, what it means here at Harkin, but there's some other places where, where there's, there's words that are used but that basically what it means is, is God is leaning in. You start having those conversations telling people, God, boy, God is good. Boy, God's good. Boy, God's faithful. Everything going all right? No. Got some problems. I don't know what the answers are going to be. I... Uh, the doctors told me some stuff. I don't know what's going to happen, but, but, but I know this. The Lord's my shepherd. And I know He's never going to leave me. And He's never... God's, God's leaning in. God's leaning in. He said, well, they're, they're talking about me. And since they're talking about me, let, me, let me get my journal. I think God journals. You know that? Apparently God journals. Let me, get my, uh, let me write some things down about them. I'm, I'm sorry to tell you, I hate to tell because I'm, I'm flesh like the rest of you. But I hate to tell you this, it's not, I don't think it's getting better. I keep it, what, what do you think is going to happen in the election next year? Does it matter? Does it matter? It doesn't matter what party is in. It doesn't matter who the president is because we got a sin problem in this nation and a president can't fix it a politician can't fix it but there is a God who can fix it and if you would just make up your mind I can't help if everybody else wants to put God out of their knowledge I'm going to say what the psalmist said thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. There may seem to be more and more that disregard God. There may be more and more brothers and sisters that you've sat on these seats with that choose to walk away from God. Show me one time in Scripture where the majority ever validated truth because of what they said. It's no coincidence that God chose a nation of people to be His that was one of the smallest groups of people 
because he was giving us a living example that they were constantly surrounded by nations much bigger than them that believed completely different. One of the things we believe as apostolics is in one God. We believe that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, are they are not three separate co-equal persons, but it's one God manifested in three ways. And one of the verses we love to quote is Deuteronomy 6 and 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord. That's not what that verse was written for. I'm not saying it doesn't apply. I'm not saying we can't use it. But the context of that verse was not about the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. The context of that verse was he was telling the children of Israel, I am God and beside me there's no other God. And every nation that they were surrounded by and nations that they were in bondage to all believed that there were hundreds if not thousands of gods. We walk around with some chip on our shoulder as apostolics because we are a minority of Christians that believe in one God versus the Trinity. We think we're something special and we ought to... Are you kidding me? Israel, it wasn't about just a couple of other... It it was about the world. It was about the fact that what they believed and stood for, the world didn't agree with it. So here we are in 2023, and as the church, we're facing the exact same thing. We're a minority we believe what we stand for more so whatever the label is Christians in general but they that feared the Lord and spoke often of him a book of remembrance was written it doesn't happen every morning but a lot of mornings I don't even know how it happens I'm just I'm just I'm assuming I'm hoping it's just it's what's in my spirit you know what, there's, there's a lot of days, Brother Barr, as I'm in that phase of finding myself starting to wake up. I don't say it out loud, but in my mind, I find myself just kind of repeating over several times, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name what? What do you mean, in Jesus' name what? Because the bottom line is, in Jesus' name, is not some magical little trick to add to your prayer to get whatever you want. Paul says, whatever you do, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of Jesus. I hope and I pray, I trust that what that is, that's just my subconscious. Kind of making a declaration. Before I get out of this bed, face everything I'm going to face today. I'm going to acknowledge whatever I do, I want it to be done in your name. I want it to be acceptable in your name. I don't, I don't want to buy into what this world is saying. I don't want to buy into all the concepts and the ideas that this world is selling us because at the end of the day, when you violate the truth of the Word of God, the principles of the Word of God will always win out.
I don't care what laws they pass in Washington, D.C. I don't care what the government decides to make okay. It will never supersede the principles of the Word of God. I want you to stand. I'm going to give an altar call this morning, but I'm going to, most of the time, at least in seems to me that an invitation at the end of a message is usually kind of a, a little bit more of a narrow group. I want to give a I want to give an invitation this morning to every single person in this sanctuary whether this is your very first time or you come here all the time. I want to give an invitation that to everyone that would be willing to step out of your seats and make your way down to this altar today. And in some way or other, say, God, I don't want to fall into the trap of trying to put you out of my mind. God, I don't want my life personally to become a fulfillment of what Paul said in Romans 1, that because I didn't want to retain you in my knowledge, that I reached the point where you decided you were just going to let me go whatever I wanted, whatever I wanted to do, however I wanted to live, you were going to give me the freedom to live that way without any guilt, without any shame, without any remorse, because I had proven to you that's what I wanted. But I'm committing, God, that no matter what anybody else does, no matter what the world says, no matter what the agendas of our world may be, I want you, God, I want Your Word, Your Spirit to be what governs my mind, what governs my life. Your Word says that You are the way, the truth, and the life. Your Word says that the thief comes but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But You've come that I might have life. God, submitting and surrendering to You is not about surrendering to some dictator, some tyrant. Yes, your word says you're a king and you're the king of kings, but also when I surrender and submit to you, I'm surrendering and submitting to my heavenly Father who loves me and cares for me and wants what's best for me. Lord, in a world that seems to be getting crazier and crazier every day, it seems like there's more and more chaos and confusion and immorality and ungodliness not only going on, but being celebrated and endorsed in that world that we're living in today. Lord, I believe there's always going to be a remnant of people. It just was the case when Elijah thought he was the only one left who trusted and believed in you. And you you had a group of people, God. The enemy wants us to think that we're the only ones that stand and believe in your word and God, you're always going to have a people and I want to be a part of that people. I want to be one of those ones, God, that stands and holds dear your word. No matter what anybody else says, thinks, does, no matter what may be popular or unpopular, I want your word. In Jesus' name, come on, in your own words, your own way, would you express it to Him? Would you express that commitment, that desire? Your word, God.
I want to be, I want my allegiance to be first and foremost your word. Hear me, please. I'm not talking about a, a religion today. I'm not talking about apostolic or whatever else label. That's not what I'm talking about. The word of God is bigger than a label. On the, Paul said, if you don't love the truth, if you don't have a love for the truth, God will allow strong delusions to come. God will allow it. Come on, let this be your prayer today. Let this be your prayer today. Me a love for the truth of your word, God. Never walk away. Not a love for religion. Give me a love. I'm not asking for a love for religion today, God. I'm asking for a love for truth, and truth is based on your word. Give me a love. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, oh God, give us a love for the truth of your word. Give us a love for the truth of your word above anything else, above anything else, Lord, in the name of Jesus. So I promise, Lord, I'll never walk in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Oh, do a work in our hearts. Do a work in our hearts right now, Lord, in Jesus' name. All the things that draw me close to you. Give me a love so strong. Let it be a love so strong, God, that no matter what storms come, no matter what winds blow, I'll remain standing on the foundation of the truth of your word. You mean more to me in the name of Jesus. Could ever say. So I in the name of Jesus. We're not in this on our own. We're not in this by ourselves. Why don't you reach over to somebody? It may be a spouse. maybe may be a family member. It doesn't matter, but would you just reach over to somebody right now as we make this our prayer this morning God would strengthen each one of us strengthen my brothers and sisters today stir up within us renew within us a love for truth a love for your word Oh God, strengthen us today. We would stand firmly on the foundation of your word. Not emotional response that's based on a good feeling, but a, a total devotion and commitment, God. In the name of Jesus. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. 
the name of Jesus. God, give us a love. Give us a love today for the truth of your word, the unchanging truth. The unwavering truth of your word, Lord, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. I choose the truth of your word above everything else, God. Above everything else, God. I'm not just looking for a convenient way to live. I'm not just looking for some simple, easy, fleshly, pleasing lifestyle. Jesus name. In Jesus name. In Jesus name. In Jesus name. I choose this truth above. Oh Jesus, 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 Jesus. I'll buy this truth. If you need to go, you can go, but there's there's a deep move of the Holy Ghost in this place right now. Come on, there's things of eternal significance being done right now. I believe there's some people that are being strengthened, renewed, recommitted. I give you total devotion, God. I'm not going to give you a half-hearted devotion. I'm not going to give you a watered-down commitment, God, but I, I give you total, total devotion. Not just devoting myself on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Thursday night. I, total devotion. Total devotion to you, to your word. name of Jesus in the name of Jesus ikarabasata yandolo bokoshata labai oh yes lord yes lord you mean more to me than words could ever say oh i promise lord so i promise i promise i commit myself lord i'll never walk away I know that may not be easy at times. I know there may be some trials and difficulties along the way. But I commit to you, Jesus. I commit to you, Jesus. I commit to you, Jesus. I will not. I will not be moved. Oh, yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Oh, I'll never walk away, Lord. I'm committing to you. I'm committing myself to you. I'm committing myself to you, Lord. In Jesus' name. 